Hello and welcome to Tell Great Stories, the podcast that looks back at some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. And we've reached the end of the series. So we are finishing the way we started by having a chat to three of the longest serving members of the company. You just heard one then. Who are you? (laughs) Hello, Uh, I'm Dario. I'm the creative producer of Unbound. Hello, I'm Erica and I'm an actor and director. Hello, I'm Gareth and I act, direct and write for Unbound. Welcome all. Having reached the end of the podcast series, how has everyone found it? Revisiting so many past projects. Was there stuff you'd forgotten? Have you all survived? I've survived. I'm still about here, just about. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, it's been been a lot of fun. And then um, kind of listening to other people talking about certain shows and then it sparks uh, a a memory of of what we were doing. Um, And I think, actually, I don't think it actually made it into the show because it happened we ended it was after beauty and the beast and we'd finished all the questions and everything and we were obviously still online doing a bit of a chat because we hadn't spoken to each other for ages and then all of a sudden we started reminiscing about stuff in the show and bringing back lots of memories which probably wouldn't necessarily have been that interesting to any podcast listeners but for us it was actually really lovely to be able to meet up again especially after so long and have like a really good chat and kind of get together and I think that's one of the best things that I've loved about doing these is is listening to people and finding out about their memories and um yeah I think I mentioned this to Daria as well when we did the funny voices one listening to how to lots of other people um talking about me was really really lovely I got a little bit emotional when the rest of the cast started saying oh Erica did this and it was like oh thank you all so much that's really lovely that's lovely so yeah so I've it's been it's been really really lovely anyway I'll shut up now because I'm waffling again no 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 it's only the start of the podcast we need more (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gareth what about you yeah, it's been great sort of getting, you know, all the people involved and sort of finding what everyone sort of thought about all of the different projects and what their memories of it were as well. Because, you know, we've, we've involved quite a few people now in the in the podcast and that's been kind of, you know, great hearing from everyone and hearing everyone's memories, what everyone's highlights were from the project and just getting a chance to sort of say, yeah, let's talk about some of the past stuff and... Yeah, find out what everyone thinks and what everyone liked, etc. It's been good to um, kind of have a record of all this stuff. Um, you know, now it's there in in podcast form. Because if I mean, if you put two members of Unbound or any uh, two theatricals in a room, they will start anecdoting at each other. Um, <laughs> and, and I have no idea basically. what you mean. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's quite nice that it's now. There's now on the record all these little behind the scenes stories and little insights and stuff. There's now a, a record of them because mm. I um I was thinking the other day about uh dear old Matt Doherty, who's sadly no longer with us. I mean he'd have been incredible on these things, um heavily edited I expect <laughs> most of what he, his anecdotes were obscene, <laughs> but um it's a, one of the great sadnesses when he died is that no one ever got a chance to write down all of his his stories which of which he was you know brim full of them um so mm. it was always kind of a bit of a loss we thought oh no one's ever written down those hilarious anecdotes from when he was a postman and when he worked in a i think he worked in a wine merchants and stuff and so you always sort of think ah, oh, you, you kind of want to make sure you've got a record of everything before it's too late um so it's nice that we've yeah it's, it's good that we can something to listen back to in years to come 
something that uh, the another thing that we haven't covered actually in the series is how Unbound came into being in the first place. So, uh, can you tell us what led to the company forming in two thousand and fourteen? Uh, yes. A reason we haven't really covered this is because it is a bit of a long story, but I will truncate it. Um, it's, it's like all things; isn't it? it wasn't particularly one thing or another or simple. But the, I think the impetus for it was the pantomime we did the year before, actually, which was two thousand and thirteen. Uh, and it was a show called Robin Hood and the Babes in the Woods, which Gareth was in. It's the first time we worked together. Mm-hmm. And um, in-house theatre by that point, I mean, it had a very long and colourful and prestigious history at Queen's Park. But it had kind of got to the point where the pantomime was pretty much the only thing that Queen's Park was doing every year. Aside from maybe a play now and again, which would effectively be an outside company coming in of, you know, a local amateur group coming in and, and using the space to rehearse and, and perform. There wasn't kind of that drive forward because all these things come in, you know, peaks and troughs and, you know, sometimes it's busy, sometimes it's not. And it was going through one of those not busy periods, but the pantomime was happening every year. But the problem is if you're only doing one show, when you come around to do it, you're trying to get hold of actors who are the rest of the year working with different companies elsewhere. And they're, you know, naturally quite loyal to them. So you're trying to convince actors to come away and work with you. And the general feeling amongst the staff at Queen's Park was if we were doing this more regularly it would be a lot easier to get hold of people and it would just you know we'd have more people to work with we'd attract more you know set painters and costume makers and it needs to have its own little industry really and it kind of grew from there and there were various people involved i'd sort of just started at queen's park i was volunteering and i ended up being the stage manager of robin hood and being a writer i was really interested because i thought oh that would be an exciting opportunity to get to write something for the stage uh, there was Nikita Ferguson, who was the centre manager at the time, and she directed a couple of plays at Queen's Park and had a bit of a theatre background, and she was really keen to see it get going again. Um, and Claire Dargavel, who was a duty manager and a limelight technician at Queen's Park and had been involved in theatre uh, years before, so had the sort of knowledge of what it had been uh, about a decade before. And we kind of thought it was like a little select committee, a little sort of steering committee, really encouraged by Sarah Lewis, who's Queen's Park's artistic director. She was she could kind of see that we all thought it'd be a good idea and really galvanised it and said, right, get together, have a meeting and get going. So we started having conversations about how would it work? You know, do you go back to it being just a sort of a group that you put, hold open auditions for? Do you have a, a subscription service, membership, that sort of thing? We went all through the houses and then we decided the way we'd kick it off is to bring back workshops because there had been a, a very popular weekly workshop for adults for drama which had kind of been the core of the company in previous iterations so we decided to bring that back because it hadn't been there for a while and to bring creative writing back because we knew uh, new writing was going to be important to whatever whatever this thing turned into Uh, and we started putting it together I was recruiting writers for the workshops Nikita started recruiting uh, tutors for the drama workshops Erica came back onto the Queen's Park and um, and we launched it in September 2014, basically as a workshop program, saying that there's some new workshops, come along, take part, and it will grow into productions. And we had sort of ideas that we were going to do Betrayal as the first one the following year, and uh, Beauty and the Beast as the first panto work was on those. And then it just basically snowballed over the last <laughs> seven, seven years. The other thing I remember about um, putting it together was the name, because there was a big, it went on for ages, I mean months, trying to work out what we're going to call it and the um 
one thing was that we were just going to call it the Queen's Park Theatre Company, but I always thought that sounded like something that ought to already exist and it wouldn't feel uh, new. And one of the big things was about attracting new people and making it feel like it was something that was just starting, even though it's, you know, we weren't reinventing the wheel. In-house theatre, as I say, had been around for a long time, but we were kind of trying to encourage people who hadn't been involved before to get involved. But we couldn't think of a, a name. None of us could come up with one. So we ended up calling it Queen's Park Players because we all hated it. And we thought, if we call it something we really don't like, we'll have to think of a better title. <laughs> and what happened was about, I think, three or four weeks of everyone in the Queen's Park office just sort of sat working, doing their normal day job. And then occasionally someone would sort of shout out something like, uh, Handmade Theatre, what about that? And we would all go, uh, no, 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 come on. Um, and then sort of, you know, half an hour later, someone else would shout out another idea. And we went through all these different names. And it got to the point where I think I was just sat on Google typing in words that I thought were sort of applicable and then looking up synonyms and then just shouting them all out and then everyone would take a vote and we've eventually <laughs> settled on Unbound. Wow. Um, I don't remember what the word was that got us to Unbound, but it was the, again, the whole idea that it wasn't... Yeah, what what could we have been called if Google ha- Google yeah. Thesaurus yeah. was a bit... <laughs> Who knows? I just type Unbound into Google and find out. Um, I can't remember now, but it was the whole idea behind the name was that again it wasn't beholden to the way things had been done in the past and it was it wasn't just for people who were already at queen's park it was for anyone um but yeah i mean that took i i think about two or three months to come up with a name if you go back one day we'll publish this there's a document that says um i think i wrote it which was like the project proposal for what the company would be when we decided to sort of pool our ideas mm. and in it it sort of says oh we're, what, what we're ultimately aiming to get to is to be able to do three productions a year <laughs> <laughs> oh excellent those dizzy heights <laughs> maybe maybe three major productions and three small ones like three black box ones we thought maybe six would be the absolute you know stretch now i mean it's it's two a month or something like that <laughs> at so, least yeah, three a year yeah oh wow I just I've just put unbound into Google and so far it's oh, come what up. Are the other options. Loose. Not sure we like that. Ooh, <laughs> um, loose theatre. Hello. Loose theatre. <laughs> Unstapled. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Ungagged. Ungirt. Does anyone, Ooh, does anyone like that? Un-girt. Yeah. Ungirt yeah. theatre. Or unstitched. So we could have done nude theatre. So we've got a few <laughs> options there if we ever want to change it up. Um, <laughs> Unbound uh, I mean you've mentioned Dario that it's just one of a long history of in-house theatre that they've had at Queen's Park Arts Centre so um, Erica as someone who has been involved in a great deal of it um, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about the start of the Limelight Theatre and the productions that followed uh, just just a bit because remember what Dario warned you about you know when you get actors together and they're always checking out anecdotes we could be oh, here yeah. for a while um, <laughs> so yeah no I will I Not will necessarily trunk... a show by show account but... <laughs> yes no no I won't I won't do all of the shows um, okay at least um so a, a very sort of brief history of of theatre unbound for, for anyone who 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 doesn't know um my my late mother started the the in-house sort of drama workshops uh, way back in in at the centre when it first sort of started in the eighties, and she was working alongside uh, Malcolm Thackeray and also uh, Stuart Thornley. And um, uh, one of the first shows that was done in a, sort of an empty limelight theatre when it was just still a school hall with the parquet flooring. There's a fantastic photo, I think, of a dance class there, and there's nothing else in it. Um, you can still see the old office from the other 
end that's now behind the, the cyclorama. And oh, I still remember when that back wall wasn't there as well. God, that's going back years. Um, anyway, uh, so it was a it was an anthology show of music, poetry, uh, dance, and drama, and it was kind of done to local council bods um, and uh, to show them what the potential of Queens Park could be. And they were impressed and they said, here, have some money. And then the, the rake and the gallery was, was was built. There were a few names that were banded around. One was Cygnus, uh, the the swan being the, the logo of Buckinghamshire. So the because the limelight is so small, little the little theatre of Buckinghamshire. So it was one name was Cygnus. Um, the other was Matchbox because um, of the game that you, how many things can you put inside a matchbox? Again, it's teeny tiny, and it has the possibility and the potential for all of these things to be inside it. Um, and then the other one was uh, Limelight. And I think uh, there was Stuart Thornley and um, my mum as well. They were all sort of talking about these names and they, they, they came up with the, the Limelight, which is sort of reference to the old sort of Victorian gas lamps that you would have at the bottom of the stage. And from there, production sort of sort of grew. Um, uh, Pete Benson started the panto in 84 with Cinderella. Um, and he was very much a, a driving force for in-house theatre as a writer and a director and, and a teacher as well. I would, He was definitely a mentor of mine when I was growing up. Um, but the ethos behind the in-house stuff has always been it was never like a, a sort of like a traditional amdram company where you pay your subs and and it's the same people um or the, like a, a group of people who come together every single company for every single show has always been unique it is cast the net has been cast wide and obviously you do get familiar faces coming back and then you know some people may go away and then they'll come back again um but the ethos has always been a new company, a brand new company for every single com- for every single production, and also the amalgamation of professional actors working alongside community actors. I think I was very, very lucky. I cannot thank my, you know the, the the opportunities that I had when I was growing up, in the fact that when I was a kid, I, a lot of my memories are sitting in the wings watching professional actors do their stuff, and so much learning going on from that. And then when I was old enough and starting to join in with the shows as well, again, as a kid and then growing up through my, my teenage years and, you know, I was practically living down at the centre and um, Pete had the fantastic in-house adult drama workshop. We'd have about 40 people there each week producing off-the-cuff stories, comedy, physical theatre, you know, some really epic heavy dramas and this was just in like a two-hour workshop every single week um really really pushing the boundaries of what is possible in theatre just using yourself as an actor and and again it was a mixture of professionals and then up-and-coming students teenagers and people who are interested in really learning their craft and 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 that sort of carried on um so, you know, the, the production, the kind of productions, everything from like musicals, I remember some fantastic productions and not only of all of the pantos, um, but things like uh, the Threepenny Opera, um, Godspell, um, and then massive community ones as, as well um, that, that were able to kind of really sort of bring people in. And then, of course, in sort of like the, the late 90s, when there was the possibility of everything sort of being shut down and the last production was essentially going to be Arthur Miller's The Crucible which again was directed by Pete 
and word got round and we did three nights I think and we did a Sunday night and at the end of of the final night people were so desperate to come and see it we had people sitting on the floor of the stage before health and safety rules all came in about fire <laughs> regulations and stuff um so we had everything the gallery was packed the the rake was packed we had chairs extra sets of chairs were put out and then we had people sitting cross-legged on the floor of the stage and I remember coming out for my first entrance and going oh bloody hell I can't go downstage there's people there um and yeah it was absolutely brilliant and just all of the different kinds of people who are still around some of them are still around and then others have gone on to do other things and seeing that continue that legacy continue with everything that Dario has kind of infused into it has been absolutely wonderful you know we've had people who've worked on panto who are now off at drama school and they're doing their own theatrical careers um you know for sleeping beauty we've just had our auditions and we've got some wonderful fresh faces again new people coming into the company who again can just like start their journey on wherever they want to go and it's 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 fantastic and so that it's i've had a lot of personal pride and um about seeing everything that Unbound has done and grown to over the last seven years, seven years, and knowing the legacy of everything that I've have grown up with and seeing that continue has just been, oh, it's been phenomenal. I can't really, I can't even explain it. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible to to be a part of that. And so when Dario invited me, not only to come back as a workshop leader and then also as an actor, absolutely delighted. It's been amazing. I mean, that brings us nicely up to date. So, I mean, my next question was about um, Unbound's recent project. So uh, I wondered if you could talk a bit about Tudor Tales, which you guys revived at Wadston Manor this summer. Um, Dario, how did that come about? How did the performance come about for Tudor Tales? And Gareth, what was it like revisiting the show? And getting there was, it was kind of the culmination of lots of discussions that had gone on between Queen's Park and Wadston for I think a couple of years not related to Unbound but in a, a wider sense of the outreach work that Queen's Park was was doing had been doing for several years um, but a result of that relationship the working relationship that had been established we were able to suggest uh, bringing Unbound to Wadston uh, and they were really receptive they were really keen so we planned to go there in summer 2020 as part of the Shakespeare tour and then uh, I can't remember why we didn't go mm. I think something came up i can't remember and it didn't work out so we didn't go um but we kept in touch with watson and they were very keen to to have us back in summer 2021 um and we weren't working on a shakespeare tour that year just because of the way things worked out with restrictions we didn't think there'd be enough time to do it properly um but we said well look we could do a shorter piece with a smaller cast that would be something we could get ready in time and so we suggested tudor tales which we'd done at uh, bucks county museum you know i think two years by that point uh, previously and uh so and they were very receptive they thought it was great and so along we went and yeah from my point of view i've always had quite a soft spot for tudor tales because in its original form it was just this nice little 30 minute piece and the first time we did it at the museum it came together at a time when there was Loads going on with Unbound. It was difficult to keep track of everything. So many projects, quite exhausting. And then we had this little thing, Tudor Tales, which was just this nicely formed, really funny, really fun piece. And we got all the cast together and it was, you know, just everyone was on the ball. They had it. They were really easy to work with on it. And it just sort of came together in this this really nice way, way the first time we did it. 
Um, and then we obviously revived it for the 24-hour show um, where we added an extra, basically an extra half an hour onto it, turned it into a sort of 50-minute hour-long show. And again, revisiting it then was great because it brought back all these memories of, yeah, that was a great show, it was a great way of working, brilliant casts just came together so smoothly. And I felt gutted that we couldn't do the extra bits properly. Um, so then hearing that we're bringing it back at Wadston Manor and we're going to get to yeah, properly bring all these bits to life, like the um, the scene in the war with France where you've got all of the, the business with the cheese and you've got the pom-poms waving about and you've got Ferdinand and Maximilian and he's knocking Maximilian's head um, hat off his head. All those little bits of business sort of uh, yeah came back, which was absolutely brilliant to sort of see those. Um, and yeah, the, um, the, even the sort of more, more stressful bits, like the, um, the quick changes of the Queens. <laughs> Don't know what you're even talking about. those, it was just, mm. it was brilliant to see those back and going, here's this thing that could be an absolute nightmare and really complex. But by the time we'd got it down, I mean, there was a, a few back and forth bits in the first early stages of the rehearsals, <laughs> but by the time we'd really got it nailed again, you thought this is something that could be really complex but we've sort of boiled it down. We've now got it sorted and we got it down pat, but we can even make it work when one of the dresses suddenly loses a zip halfway <laughs> through <laughs> the last performance. Gaffer tape and safety pins. And of course, Katie, you were, you were in that, um, that production and sort of what, what are your memories of, uh, of it? Um, I remember oh, we were really lucky actually because we were supposed to, well, it was lucky. It was lucky to do it and bring it back because it's a really fun one to do. It's, mm. It was one I really enjoyed doing anyway. Um, and we got to work on the scenes a bit more, which is always good. You get to work on things and work out a bit of the sort of physical humour and bits and pieces like that, and work with like this little group of people, which was really fun. And mm. then we were supposed to do it, I think, one weekend, and it was forecast to be showers and thunderstorms and they not only moved our weekend, but they also moved us. So we ended up doing it in front of Wadston Manor. So you've got these wonderful photos of sort of Wadston Manor in the background and then our little Queen's Park Arts Entertainment <laughs> in the foreground. Um, but it's brilliant. It's a really, it was a really good one to do with the backdrop of Wadston Manor as well, because obviously you're playing kings and queens and, you know, mm. these big fancy people. You get to wander around in these magnificent costumes all the time. Uh, and... Yeah, it was lovely because we had a really we had a really good crowd. I think, you know, it was mid-school holidays. People were trying to find something to do with the children and they come along to Wadston Manor and then they sort of went, oh, you know, we'll sit here and watch that. And the feedback was lovely. There were lots of people who came over afterwards and said, oh, you know, my kids really enjoy it. They keep talking about it. You know, thank you very much. So, yeah, it was lovely. It was a really... Yeah. And the sun came out. I remember it was absolutely <laughs> pouring about an hour before. <laughs> And I thought, yeah. we've rehearsed for ages, we've had one lockdown, we've rehearsed some more, and now we're not even going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And then it was just beautiful sunshine, and the sun came out. And then I had to put on those stupid costumes for the Queen's again, <laughs> with no zip. <laughs> and I think it was one of the um, 
probably one of the only times where after the performance you've got random parents coming up to you saying, can we take a photo with of, like our kids with the car? I know, it was yeah. a bit like, like that um, That bit of the wedding where they sort of get all the family together to get a photo and then everybody <laughs> else comes up with their phone in the background so that they can take yeah. the same picture. <laughs> so it was that. Dario was trying to take a photo of us in front of the big house and suddenly there were like four different families behind going, oh, can my child be in the photo? <laughs> Just kind of ushering them in. Like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Do you want yeah. me to sign anything? Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was really easy. My main memory of doing that was um, we loaded everything into like a little convoy of cars to take up there. Mm. Um, and I remember they sort of said we'd been told that you can perform in front of the house. So that's very exciting. And sort of expected that we'd need to park in the car park and then walk everything up. And they said, no, 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 just um, let the guy at the gate know and he'll just wave you up there, go up and drop your stuff off. And so there we were, I think Gareth, you and I were in one car at the front, just driving up to Wadston Manor. I just remember laughing my head off because it was just the most ludicrous thing in the world. Like, oh, I just drive to work at Wadston Manor. Yeah, and like they had the the roundabout before it and the sort of grand gates and then this yeah. great big long gravel driveway with sort of the, the grass on either side as you're going towards the manor. You think, yep. This is how you arrive. And then we get out a load of bin bags full of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and none of us Don't have got particularly it, flashy guys. cars either. So it's like we sort of we should have rented a really nice car. That would be awkward. None of us have got good ones. Yeah. Yeah, that was that it was, was fun though. Yeah. We, we, well, we've we've played worse gigs. Yeah, I almost mm -hmm. wish my car had broken down, so we'd have to call out the AA and say, "Where are you?" Well, I'm at Watson Manor. I'm in front of the manor. That would be amazing. I feel like Watson Manor security at that point would come out, Gareth, if you were just there hanging around your car. Yeah. Do you ever get some kind of like BBC costume drama soundtrack like playing in your head as you see the the vista of the big house in front of you and you're driving up there? Is, yeah, as you're pulling up to it and it's just getting bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. Yeah, I think there should be some sort of uh, soundtrack. But it, I mean, yeah, there were a couple of times I think I went to went to the toilet or went walked somewhere else, and I suppose because people could tell that you weren't just there looking at the house, probably because you were on your own. They'd ask you directions, so it was almost like you were working for Wadston Manor. Yeah, yeah they go, thought we worked there. Yeah, do you know how much is it to get in? Oh, it's this much. I don't know. I'm just going to make up a number. Yeah, come this way. Come over here. Why don't you stop by this small tent over here where there's going to be a type of vacuum in about half an hour? Um, yeah, it was lovely, though. Oh, that was part of the day, wasn't it? It was um, sending people around to kind of drum up a crowd. Oh, yes. Mm. Andy Faber, um, yeah, went round as our as our bard and did a fantastic job he just he did brilliantly he yeah went in and really drummed up a lot of business and I remember standing with him at one point and he went oh, that's my old drama teacher <clears throat> diction and then went in <laughs> and did this fantastic speech about how they should all come and see us in the production Rob and I wandered around as Henry VIII and, and a wife <laughs> and just in the background I'd smile and he'd sort of look disappointed and that was about it but yeah it was lovely got people to kind of turn up it was very funny. I think Dan had gone off to the loo just before the show. Mm. And when he left, there was, you know, no one stood anywhere near our tent. And he said, and I came back and there was like a hundred people there. <laughs> this sort of massive crowd came <laughs> as he sort of rocked up going, oh, okay. Yeah, that was it lovely. Was, there was a lot of people. Mm. It was good fun. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. It was good. The kids enjoyed it, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So did we. Yeah, true. <laughs> we amused ourselves. <laughs> Right, so we have also not only 
that, but there are a few projects that we have not had a chance to mention in the podcast so far. So we're going to try and cover them in a quick fire round. People ready? Fingers on buzzers. Well, no, no, no. I'm going to ask for a quick summary or anecdote about each of the following. Ready? Ready. Okay. Dario, A Doll's House. Yes. So uh, 2017, that was the first show that Beatrice directed for us, Beatrice Benedek, and that was done entirely in black and white. So everything, the set and the actors were painted like in grey paint to make them look like they're in a monochrome film. Uh, apart from at the end, when uh, Nora, is it, comes on and is leaving Torvald, I want to say. I don't know the play very well. Um, and she's Sounds in like, right. colour. She took took her makeup off and was in a really brightly covered clothes. And so it looked incredible. That was my that was a beautiful show. Oh. Okay, Gareth, Falstaff, an evening with the Fat Knight. Uh, well, this was, of course, the show that we did in the... Um the local pub um and we sort of did it well yeah most people knew there was some sort of show happening but there were clearly some people who were just at the pub as well um and we had um yeah some rehearsed scenes we were going to do that were all from yeah the shakespeare plays that involve full staff um but while the scenes was going on you were still sort of in character wandering around kind of going do i do i interact <laughs> with people do i make this kind of mini scene <laughs> So you're sort of what you got one ear on what's going on, going it okay, it's my actual scene in a minute. But for the moment, hello, King over there. I'll just have something to say with you as well. <laughs> Erica, fifth anniversary show. Oh, that was mental putting that back together and then revisiting scripts and it was it was wonderful to kind of uh look back on on other things. And I think one of my biggest memories was the set on that one, which Dario had filled with with props. And and costumes from all of the previous shows and and walking out and going round going oh I remember that and oh didn't we use that on that as well so yeah fantastic Dario 2018 drama festival uh f-ing nightmare to schedule um, <laughs> you'll have to bleep that uh I mean it was that was one of the high points of busyness because we were doing that and Antigone and Marvin's room and the fourth sketch show at once so it was I remember that being a bit of a turning point realizing how big the company had gotten but the event itself it was six different slots across two days and there was leave and some improv which we've discussed before on the podcast uh we did two episodes of a radio 4 sitcom called welcome to our village please invade carefully we did a play called enter a queen which is a, a rather unfortunate title and we <laughs> did a play called modern art which was a new piece uh, written by a chap called joe laredo and what i remember from that one was that it involved rob having to sweep up a pile of leaves from the floor, <laughs> dumping them on a podium and then sweeping them off the podium into a, a a dustpan and then putting them on the floor again and then repeating it over and over for, I think, about 10 or 15 minutes. Yep. Um, which was because he was, he was part of it. He was a, a, a living exhibition yeah. in a modern art gallery or something. Um, so I just remember him doing that for 10 minutes for no, no reason. Right. Gareth, I might pronounce this wrong. Um, Corridan Ovium? Yeah, so this was um, Unbound's sort of horror show that uh, we did in... Uh, it was written by uh, Jen and Sandy. I don't remember their um, their surnames, but they kind of came in with this show that they had written and they were going to direct. Um, it was great to play a proper sort of... proper nasty character in a couple of them because it was, it was proper horror. It was sort of... There were, there were funny bits of it, but it was clearly done to be sort of, yeah, this is actual horror that's going on. So you got to play a proper, proper bad guy with kind of none of the, oh, well, he's a sort of Panto-esque bad guy, or he's, oh, don't worry, he's not really mean. It's like, no, this is this is proper, proper baddie. 
um, which I think was my my first chance to really play that sort of yeah evil evil character. Oh. Erica, Halloween Tales. Oh, this had a fantastic performance by Matt Black as our um, sort of MC of the evening, and he had this sort of fantastic skeletal makeup and fantastic gothic outfit and he kind of led through all of these different stories and we had poetry and songs and then short stories and and I think one of my biggest memories of of this one was the fact that we had um stories written especially for this show uh by sort of well-known published horror writers in in the horror scene um which which was lovely because I kind of put a shout out to a a few horror authors and then a couple of them got back and said, "Well, yeah, I'd love to write. I'd love to write for you." So that was, I think, a great feather in our cap that we got some some completely original work from some you know internationally recognised horror, horror writers for that show. Dario, Voices of the Great War. Uh, that was uh, 2018 again, and that was something we were asked to do by Bucks Archives, I think, as part of their centenary celebrations or commemorations of the uh, the First World War. And it was a series of war poems and biographies of local uh, servicemen, basically, uh, that were kept in the archive. So we went and performed it at, uh, I can't remember what it's called, it's the big church in Milton Keynes, I can't remember its exact name. Um, and we were there as part of a, a wider event all about you know, teaching people about the the end of the First World War. Um, so it's a real privilege to do that one, actually. It's a very moving show. And Gareth, last but not least, Potted Panto. Uh, well, this was the um, the sort of mini slapstick scene that we did down at the um, at the Waterside Festival. Um, and we, we really went for it with the, the slapstick. There was, you know, foam involved and there was, um, yeah, the Rice Krispies on the face gag kind of thing. Um, I just sort of remember... Um, yeah, they they had this stage set up that we kind of were performing in front of, and we we had a small sheet down. But I remember at the end of the performance, kind of looking round, and there was foam on the speakers, and foam <laughs> had gone all over the floor. And of course, we cleaned it all up. But it was just that moment after we'd finished when we gone. Oh, I I hope they were expecting this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do remember having to go around with a towel after that. I'm wiping down some drums and other things as well, all over the place. I don't know how you got that everywhere. They said they wanted 10 minutes of Panto Chaos. They got 10 minutes of Panto That's Chaos. That's true. That's what they got asked what they for. asked for. Well, there you go. Um, well done, everybody. That was very good. Hey. <laughs> okay, back to more recent projects. So can you tell us a bit about the launch of the Storyteller Initiative? And what events and performances the storytellers have been involved with so far? Yes, I mean we talked a bit before about where it came from and its its origins in Pinocchio and the Five Hundreds contest, um, but we hadn't properly launched it when we talked about it before. So yes, it is now up and running. We're uh, we're in the middle of training a whole load of new storytellers who are going through a sort of uh, every other week they're coming in and learning bits about writing and about improv and about acting technique. So they're going to come and join us next year. And uh, in terms of the projects, we've done uh, quite a few, actually. We've been out to a few events and done some improvised storytelling one-to-one uh, at, I think that was Whispers Fest and Live in the Park. Uh, and we've done some scripted stuff as well with a story called Hidden Things, which we was commissioned by Bucks Archives and we performed there in July. And also something we've done a couple of weeks ago, which was the Gongoozler's Tale, which was a series of short stories inspired by the Grand Union Canal. And that was uh, for the Waterside Festival team. And that was followed a week later by Spontaneous Stories, which was the debut of a a brand new improv format, which Gareth will be able to explain. 
Yeah, so um, it, it was actually yesterday as at the time of... Was it yesterday as at the time of recording? Yes, it was. Losing track of it time was. there. <laughs> no, but it was definitely yesterday as at the time of recording that we did um, our first spontaneous stories, which is a um, sort of fully improvised fairy tale that is um, created by the the actors with a storyteller sort of on the rudder guiding it, but then the actors taking it forward based on the um, suggestion that has been given for it. And it... Yeah, it was really great to sort of see that for its first time in front of a live audience and, you know, see them really getting into it and where you've got, like, I think we heard a suggestion of um, a weird elf was our first suggestion for the main character of our first um, improvised fairy tale. And then you go on the whole story of how he's, you know, needs to learn how to be a proper elf and the orcs are invading, so he's got to get hold of some magical armour. But, of course, you know, the orc shamans are also after the magical armor and i know at one point in it we had that the orcs were going to do a dance um, and you just hear a, um, a kid in the audience shout out that's not how an orc dances and so then the actor who's portraying it goes over and says oh sorry how does an orc dance and then they come back and do this really orc like dance with all the claws and the the gurning face etc so yeah re- really good fun to sort of see that and prove that that format works which will be uh, back later on in some of our improv um offerings we'll see that format again definitely and erica you did the um hidden things which is the pretty much the first thing we did with the storytellers actually i think in terms of performance yeah yeah um so with the with the sort of like the unbound storytellers um you've got the you've got like the improv team and the people who do the spontaneous stuff and then we've also got the scripted side as well and i think it, i think it's great that people are kind of able to play to their strengths um so i i did the i took the story that that dario had written that was from a prompt that we were given from buck's archive so we got from a photograph and then um they'd done some research and then dario wrote uh, this lovely little story then we were able to perform that um, at the Bucks archives which was really lovely to be able to do and lots more planned hopefully so we've um, yeah. been using this year to kind of pilot it and see how it goes and it's gone down very well with people so we've um, uh, lots planned for 2022 as well which is an excellent segue into my next question Dario thank you very much um, which is talking about the future we've uh, been doing this too long ah, see what projects are you most looking forward to in the remainder of this year and beyond? I am very much at the time of recording. Uh, we start panto rehearsals next week. Oh, um, exciting. I know. I am very much looking forward to bringing Beauty and the Beast to the limelight stage. No, not Beauty and the Beast. Why can I not <laughs> We did that five years ago. <laughs> we did that. Oh, God. I'm going to try that again. So um, I am very excited to be bringing Sleeping Beauty to the limelight stage uh yay Uh, in a couple of months so yes it's wonderful i'm really looking forward to being able to to do that and we've got fantastic casts and everyone's very excited about the the story um so yeah very much looking forward to that and also i am absolutely desperate beyond that i'm desperate to be able to put my frock coat back on and uh, go time traveling again as the professor i miss her i want to do more i do miss my professor very very much so yes uh, i'd love to be able to do that in the future that's my wish excellent dario uh all the above um it's gonna be exciting to get the shakespeare the live shakespeare shows back again which would be great having had a couple of years off so we're working hard at the um the audio project the complete works but um yeah plans are for next year's tour including a return to Boston manor so so that's going to be good and yeah any uh any and all outreach work i love going out and about going to different venues mm. whether it's um 
places like Worcester Manor or Bucks Archives or doing little walking things like the Cronomia plays. So yeah, any of that, which, and again, there's lots planned. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun year. And Gareth? Uh, definitely looking forward to um, the return of the big Unbound sketchbook shows as we have sketchbook show six, um, Intergalactic Bailiffs coming up uh, very, very soon. So yeah, really looking forward to that. That's currently uh, midway through rehearsals and fingers crossed, looking pretty good. Uh, so yeah, very much looking forward to that. And yeah, with um, with the proof that the improv format we're sort of developing is definitely a, a runner that we saw yesterday, really looking forward to... Uh, um, the big improv show in November and taking that further and sort of developing that even more and yeah, ma- making it even more complicated with even more scenes and characters getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, looking back at absolutely everything that Unbound has done in the last seven years, what has been your funniest moment and what has made you the most proud? Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I think what has made me the most proud, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, one of them is Tudor Tales. Like, as I said before, the way that just sort of came together so nicely and created this this complete thing. And I think the other one would be um, it was on the day of um, it was on the day of the WizFizz Festival um, where we did um, Unbound History of Britain. We did the um, storytelling competition, um, sort of reading out the stories there. And then we went and did doctor's dilemma and i'm pretty sure we must have been rehearsing something else uh, sort of nearby and <laughs> there was probably another show that was happening in a week's yeah, time yeah. after all of that um and yeah just sort of looking at that day and kind of going yep i'm up at the start of the day going to one thing and we're setting that up and and that's a success and then you're rushing straight off to the next thing and yeah then then you're off to perform something in the evening and thinking not only can we do a lot, but all of it worked and all of it's really good. So that just made me really proud of being a part of Unbound there. What about your funniest? Oh, funniest moment. Oh, there, there, there's so many sort of funny, funny moments. I mean, one that always sticks in my head is the very first um, sketchbook show with the door nearly falling over and sort of panicking oh, and jumping across the stage to catch this door <laughs> that's about to crush crush one of the actors because it was a oh, massive God. <laughs> massive thing and if it, if it had gone it would have been that's properly gone if that's going <laughs> and i'm sort of you know standing there looking at it from the other side of the stage going if i'm going to get to that i've got to cross you know, visibly cross the stage and weighing up in my head is it worse to take the risk of it falling over or just bite the bullet and leap um, and eventually <laughs> chose to bite the bullet and leap I'm sure they're um, thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> a, a recent funniest moment is um, two coming from Rob. One, his brilliant shout of "What about Carol?" <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And and of course, as you can hear in the uh, Funny Voices podcast, or, or maybe I, I can't remember that you can hear it in the Funny Voices podcast. Um, but the fact that Rob couldn't remember the bottom half of Erica's face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's hanging around for a while. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how, what about at the bottom half of Erica's face? What do you think? <laughs> what do I think? What's your um, proudest moment? My proudest moment? Oh, my goodness. There are so many. Just 
being involved, being asked to be involved, um, it always makes me feel terribly proud every time I walk out on that stage or every time I'm representing Unbound. Um, so to be asked to do the first show, Betrayal, um, to doing the uh, the outdoor um, Aylesbury on the Sea, uh, the, the shorter shows that we did, uh, Wind in the Willows and, and Treasure Island. Um, but I, th- I think also, um, I've mentioned I've mentioned it before, but The Professor is so dear to my heart and I am immensely proud of all of the work that we've been able to do with her both on stage and then also um in the audio stories that we've done which have just taken the character in, in an amazing story arc um so i am very very proud of being able to to bring her to life i think um i think those those were received really well as well weren't they the audio ones they were yes yes isn't there some sort of award or there there that we we were nominated we were nominated for um uh, writing production and um uh, performance as well and uh, we won the performance uh, for uh, sort of best uh, new audio fiction we won an award for that last year so that very very proud congratulations very well deserved thank you um, and what about your funniest moment? Um, I remember, I can't even remember why, but I just remember laughing my head off and having face ache and side ache f- through most of the Captain Christmas rehearsals <laughs> 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 last year, simply because of the sheer ridiculous and fun of it it was an intensely funny i couldn't point to any one particular thing um but i just remember standing there in rehearsals trying to say lines and then usually cracking myself up or seeing somebody else do something and and, and giggling um profusely with that um and then yeah as as, as gareth you said i think it's got to be a, a top moment of um <laughs> what about carol because <laughs> uh, the, the rest of you were off stage um but he actually <laughs> said it to me and i remember sitting there and thinking in character what is going on? <laughs> not to not to show not to show uh, my surprise in my face about who Carol was. Did uh, very well. Did very well. I'd be like, who is Carol? <laughs> Story stage. What have you done to my mother? <laughs> um, but yeah, also with funny voices, the whole um, country made biscuits debacle, <laughs> fiasco, shenanigans, shenanigans. That's the better word for it. Um, with with the was very very funny. As well, but there, there, there are so, there are so many, there are so many moments. Um, us all getting slightly, slightly uh, high on the fumes from the barrel that we used as the set for Treasure Island, because it was a, it was an actual rum or whiskey barrel. Um, oh, when we got well in, done. We were in, a, we were in an enclosed space, and um, the fumes were lovely. And there's a fantastic photo of us all just sticking our faces in there, going, "Oh, that's so good." <laughs> Excellent. Um, and Dario, what about you? Uh, f- and the funniest thing I think I've ever seen Unbound or otherwise is um, it was during the dress rehearsal for the anniversary show and uh, we had an actor missing. They're ill. So as is usually the case with Unbound, Lara stepped in at the last minute to cover and one of the characters she had to play was Margaret Thatcher in a sketch from A Brief History of Britain, which was all about the 20th century. And... Um, instead of just reading it in as she was with the other part she went and got into the costume and the wig and then then appeared next to me in the corridor and i wasn't expecting it i didn't know she was going to do that and i i honestly thought i'd injured myself from laughing <laughs> because it was it was so wrong on on so many levels seeing laura dressed as margaret thatcher and yet it was just 
pure comedy. Um, uh, I mean, well, that's probably all of my proudest moments as well. Actually, is getting Laura to dress up as Margaret Thatcher. Um, but proper proudest moment. Um, I mean, there are loads. Uh, having sort of been there for the whole of it, things like going to Wadston Manor is really cool because you know there we are. This thing we started, we're there in front of Wadston Manor. Um, all of the lockdown work I've spoken about before. You know the sheer amount of stuff we did and, and the way we kept everything going and kept the team together and how important that was for Queen's Park. Um, actually, I think in sort of recent memory, the thing that's made me most proud is we're currently scheduling what we're going to do next year, circumstances allowing, obviously. Um, and we've even started looking ahead at the next couple of years because we are steadily working towards 10 years since we started Unbound. And um, as we've been working out the calendar and all the the rehearsal schedules and stuff it's just kind of sitting there and looking at it at the sheer breadth of what's there that you can slot in every year and how it's all kind of all the different strands of it have become their own little bubble in unbound and they're all really established and really important and really exciting so it's kind of what's the next shakespeare play and when's the next improv show and when's the next sketchbook show and what's the next bit of new writing what's the panto going to be and what outreach work we're doing they all kind of have their own little threads and going back to that document we wrote years ago that said, you know, we hope we'll get to three shows a year to kind of look at that and see what a what an industry it's kind of become within Queen's Park. This huge thing. There's not a week we're not doing something and there's not a, a month where we're not doing at least one production, if not more. And there's audio and there's bits of film. Um, so I am I am enormously proud that from those kind of little tentative steps we took towards hopefully producing a play we now have this kind of huge group of people powering all these projects through every year and doing them really well and you know exciting times ahead i'm really proud of that i think you've said something that's really important is the the people we are so lucky in the fact that so many people um who are part of unbound whether they've done one show or whether they've done several everyone who's brought that commitment that dynamic and enthusiasm and sheer passion to maintain theatre, to keep pushing everything forward. Um, I think we're really, really lucky with that. And and that's a testament to how Unbound works, how we invite people and how we, we, we create. And it's the fact that everyone is so passionate about it, which is brilliant. And that brings us to the end of the episode and the end of the series. So many thanks to all of you guys for joining me today and all of the guests who've joined us for the whole series about Unbound's many and various projects. You can catch up on all the episodes of Tell Great Stories plus lots of other great audio and video content at unboundtheatre.co.uk or you can look us up at at Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or SoundCloud. Woo! Hey. Hey. There we go. And stop the recording. Mm-hmm.